It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, this week's episode is sponsored by Ebony's Beauty. The first product that I launched was my beautiful mink lashes. You can wear them up to 25 times, and I am telling y'all now, they are beyond beautiful. And I'm not saying it because it's my shit. I am telling y'all seriously, I have received nothing but good reviews on my beautiful lashes, my babies. Please make sure you visit the website at www dot e-b-o-n-e beauty.com and please make sure to use the code phg10 at checkout to receive some coins off all right let's begin this week's show later welcome you are now listening to the professional Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PSG Podcast. It's your girl, Ebony, and I'm super excited about this week's episode. Uh, before we begin, let's do a little housekeeping. Please make sure to follow me on Instagram at the professional homegirl, at the PSG Podcast, and last but not least, at Ebony Beauty. Uh, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So how you feeling? I'm super excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a little nervous, but <laughs> I know everybody's nervous. Why are you nervous? I don't know because it's like no one's ever asked me to actually like talk about like you know the stuff that I talk about. But I'm so glad to like actually do it. <laughs> so I'm so happy that you're a part of this week's episode. So this week's episode, I'm interviewing a stripper, and I have a list of questions, but I want to share the story. So I went to Miami a couple of weeks ago just to like get away and like to relax and stuff. And when I found your page, you talked about colorism, which we're going to talk about later, but you talked about colorism within the strip club industry. And I know because you're a brownie. So Mm -hmm. I know that colorism is something that we have to constantly deal with. I never thought about it being in a strip club. So me and my boyfriend went to the strip club in Miami. And literally when I read your article about colorism, I didn't see no brownies in the strip club. Yeah. And And I was like, 
I was turned off and I was like, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sadly, especially in like bigger cities like that, I think that you tend to see it more because especially in urban clubs, they feel the need to keep like this image that they have. So especially with places like say like G5 or something like that, that's a right. club that it's kind of somewhat new compared to, you know, like a King of Diamonds or something like that. So they want to upkeep this image of having these desirable girls. So then they'll only really kind of like hire, they'll have a couple of brown skin girls, a couple of dark skin girls just to be like, oh, well, we don't discriminate. But then it's like the the main girls that you see will be light skin girls. Girl, but we're going to talk about it later. But I was just like, I <laughs> okay. instantly thought about it too. And I was just like, I don't see nobody that looks like me in here, so I can't support this. Like, I gotta leave. Exactly. <laughs> but my first question is, so how long have you been a stripper? I have been a stripper about a year and three months now. And how old were you when you first started? I was 18 years old. <laughs> so how do you feel about from when you first started to where you at now? Oh, God, I have learned so much. And, you know, the crazy thing is, is the first time I ever auditioned at a strip club, I came into um, a situation where I faced colorism and I didn't even, like, know it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Because I was, like, so, like, you know, I knew nothing. I had never even been to a strip club before I ever auditioned at one. That's the crazy thing. Oh, wow. So, like, I knew nothing about this life. And just compared to how I started and where I'm at now, I've learned so much, not only about stripping, but it's taught me so much about myself as well. Mm, I've had to create boundaries and whatnot and um Mm -hmm. you know just like it's like I always say like the strip club very much helped me find myself at a young age and it's crazy that I I say that to people but I really yeah exactly so yeah Um, (laughs) yeah so what were some of the events that led you to the decision that dancing was the answer to your solution at that time oh god so basically (laughs) I had um I was in college I moved out of my mom's house Mm -hmm. I was working at Chick-fil-a at the time oh god I love Chick-fil-a I love them too but they don't pay enough so right so you know my little $500 checks they would like it would not be enough for me to try to be in school and pay my rent and just try to survive Mm -hmm. so basically I had a friend um, she had moved to um, where I'm at from Dallas, Texas, and she was working at a club out there, but she was a waitress. So when she came out here, she was like, um, I'm going to like try to look for waitress jobs. But see out here, like there's not a lot of waitress jobs, like mainly all the clubs, they're just strippers. And so finally she was like, well, I'm just going to have to dance to make some money. And she was like, you want to do it with me? And I was like, I already needed some money. I was like $20 short for my rent. I did not have no money. So I was like, I don't have no choice. Like, it's either shake ass or get evicted. So, you mm. know. So, yeah, that's basically how I started dancing. I started dancing, quit my job at Chick-fil-A, and the rest is history. <laughs> was asking your folks for help not an option? Because I know, like, when I when my back was, like, literally in the wall, I didn't have a lot of options, and family was not one of them. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm asking. Yeah, so for me, it's, like, I come from a single-parent home. Like, you know what I mean? My mom, she mm-hmm. has her own bills. Like, you know, she was she's living paycheck to paycheck. And even I talk about that, even with my blog, about just, like, financial literacy and stuff like that. No one had ever taught me anything about money. So not mm-hmm. only was I not making a lot of money, but then it's, like, I never knew how to save Same. money. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Because I saw that growing up. So the only person... The only person I really ever had, like, to fall back on was my grandma a little bit. But, you know, my grandma, Same. she's 72 years old. Like, you know what I mean? She right. still has a job. So it's only something she could do. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I really didn't have anyone, any plan to fall back on. So I had no choice but to start stripping. So how was your first night? Because, like, I, if I can pretty, 
assume that you was a little nervous, right? Yeah. So the crazy <laughs> thing is, is that when I, okay, so when I started dancing, I started dancing at gentlemen clubs. So it, that's a very different vibe from, um, right. of, course, of course, urban clubs. And I remember the club that I danced at, they didn't do like lap dances. They only did like VIP dances, VIP rooms, champagne rooms. So I remember the first time I um had to go and sell a champ like no it wasn't a champagne room. it was a VIP dance so it was like two songs for sixty dollars or something like that mm-hmm. and I remember I was just like so scared to like just like go in there and like be with this guy but mind you that like all the managers and stuff they knew it was my first time dancing so you know they were like really watching out for me I, and that's what I really liked about that club as well but I just mm-hmm. remember just being nervous to just be- I was never nervous to get on stage though. that's the craziest part most people are nervous to dance but mm-hmm. i was just never nervous to dance for some reason to be naked in front of people <laughs> but the whole of being alone in a vip room that that's yeah because you don't know what niggas be about to do in there, exactly so. <laughs> exactly well, how, how was that transition from the gentleman's club to uh, urban strip club so basically what happened was that you know i got myself into some trouble in school got arrested so i had to you know move back to my hometown yeah, and well, then... you beat? <laughs> it's a long story <laughs> but yeah so i got um kicked out of my apartment so i had to come back to my hometown mm-hmm. but where i live at um <clears throat> Urban clubs are, there's a couple more urban clubs, and it's actually really harder for um, not only black women, but brown-skinned women, too, to get hired at these white clubs. So I really knew that I really didn't have a choice but mm-hmm. to um, work, at the, work at the black clubs. And I, was, I remember I would be so afraid because I'm a very petite woman. Yes, you are. Yes. (laughs) So, of course, you know, all the images that we see of black clubs are big butts and just like, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a lot going on, a lot of money being thrown, just a lot of wild stuff going on. But I actually ended up finding a very good club to work at. And I actually love working there. It's a black club. Um, So, yeah, the, the transition was very different because I feel like with black men, you have to hustle them way more. I say that all yeah. the time. Black men will only give you five dollars if you let them give you five dollars. White men, mm-hmm. they they'll they'll be generous, but no, you have. That's why I always say I learned my hustle in the black strip club. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some misconce- misconceptions you want to clear up about being a stripper? Oh God, there are so many. Because I know I think, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think that people think like just because I'm a stripper that like I don't like have other things going for myself or like. You know, like, I'm just getting money and I'm not doing anything with it. Like, I'm the, I will tell people all the time, I'm the type of person, I'm going to get money by any means necessary. It doesn't matter if it's stripping. It doesn't matter if I got to sell cookies. It doesn't matter right. if I got to get me another part-time job. Like, just to make sure my funds are straight. Like, I know so many stri- – I know a stripper that's getting her PhD right now, okay? So, mm. like, you know, I hate when people think that, like, strippers just don't have anything going for themselves. They're just, like, all – There's a lot of girls that strip that put themselves to school. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see. And it's just, like, I hate that people think, like, it's just, like – oh, they just have daddy issues or da-da-da. Like, that's, like, the main thing that I hate to see people say. Right. Um, So, like I said earlier about colorism, um, one of my favorite quotes from your blog is, everyone loves the features of a Black woman as long as those features are actually on a Black woman. And I always say this, right? Yes. So, with that being said, like you said earlier, I know that you're you're very petite. Mm -hmm. So, how has your size play a factor in in getting higher in clubs? 
Oh, God. I know there's clubs that will literally turn me away because I'm a petite woman. But then you had a situation like that. Yeah. And then I'll walk out on the floor and see light skinned petite women my size, like literally in black clubs. And but then again, it's like, you know, I always say like because girls ask me a lot in the clubs, like, how do you feel about working in your smaller girl? Like, every guy has his own his own taste. Like, you know what I mean? Every guy likes right. something different. So, you know, there are days that, like, I may get turned away from every customer that I walk up to. And I may only leave with, like, $100 at the end of the night. There are days I may come in there and I dance with every single customer in there. And I walk away with five or $600 in a night. Like, you never really know. So Right. What's the most you ever walked out in, like, on a good night? On a good night? Oh, God. I, I could probably... <laughs> Like, that's what I have blown through a lot. Like, early in my survey days, I blew through a lot of money, okay? So, I remember when I first started working at the black clubs, like, it was just booming. Like, I could, I was walking out with 800 plus every night that I was working. Yeah. So, if you was working, what, five days a week, let's say, Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, when I, I had no concept of that you were supposed to be consistent with stripping. I was, you know, I'm going to work in one night and I'm making what I'm making in a paycheck in two weeks. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking like, oh, I don't even need to go to work the next night. And then once you start to slip up your consistency is like when you start to mess up with your money. Like, so. Right. Because then you have to be consistent with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you're a brownie like myself. So what are some Mm -hmm. challenges that dark skinned women face in this industry because I know you mentioned a dark skin quota and I was like what <laughs> yeah there are clubs that literally will tell you they will not hire any more dark skin women um there's situations where even like in um music videos like you know with popular people Migos Lil Baby or pe- people like that you know that have a lot of strippers in their videos or even mm-hmm. you saw the um the Tory Lane situation where girl um, what he was lying about Yes, where people will like try to pick light skinned women to be in this scene and dark skinned women to be in this scene and stuff like that. Like, that's like the main thing that like and people don't even realize it because people are going with what's popular people are going with what pop culture is putting out there that you should want so it's like unless we tell people that this is an issue it's like they're not even really focusing on it which is crazy Mm. and then last but not least i know you mentioned the light skin privilege because you wrote a blog and then i guess you was like looking on twitter or something and a lot of light-skinned girls were saying that they don't see what the problem is yeah it depends on the day like elaborate on that too yeah so i always tell people my mom is puerto rican and black she's a lighter skinned woman and then i happen to be a, a darker woman you know and we were actually having a conversation the other day and in my grandmother she's a, a darker woman as well Mm-hmm. And when me and my mom were talking to her about just colorism and stuff like that, and she was telling me the situation about when she um was the first black cheerleader on her team, but she was a light-skinned woman, of course. Wow. And I was just telling her, like, yes, you are a black woman, but sometimes people see you as being less black, so they'll choose you over a darker-skinned, you know, woman with dreads or something like that. And mm-hmm. she was like, well, I just don't see how it's ever helped me. And I've never, like, you know, been able to use my, my light skin. And, you know, I was telling her, like, we always tell white women not to silence the issues of black women. Don't be like, oh, just because you've never faced it, that it doesn't occur. But we need to hold our own black women in our own black community community to those same standards you know we can't right. be quick to call out other people but not even want to call out the issues within our own community right so yeah and you know what's so funny because i did an episode on um the title was you're pretty for a dark-skinned girl because i'm from the south so i used to yeah. always get that yeah and my guest who was dark-skinned she was a brownie and she was just saying like you know that's not a compliment like that's colorism. exactly and yeah. that it is within our own community because it's not. I mean, other people 
do it to us as well, but it comes from us. Yeah. Uh, I like another thing that I like about your blog and things that you talk about is um, the lifestyle because a lot of people do think that it's all glitz and glamour. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk. <laughs> so let's talk about club owners. Well, you know, before we do club owners, another question I want to ask you about the whole glitz and glamour thing because I know you said something to the effects of like how everybody want to like be a part of the stripper uh, culture. They want to wear the heels. They want to do all these movies and stuff, but like they don't want to fully support strippers. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, it's just as simple as, like, you see girls that are walking around talking about, like, oh, hot girl summer, um, I'm a I'm a hoe, and, like, you know, they mm-hmm. talk about sugar daddies and, like, you know, singing city girls lyrics and stuff like that, but it's, like, then again, when I'm saying, like, oh, I got, the, I got this man to find me out somewhere, you know, last week or something like that, oh, she's a hoe because she's a stripper, like, you know what I mean? So you can't really mm-hmm. have that double standard when you're sitting here singing these song lyrics, but then you're calling the people that are actually living these lives you're looking down on them, like, you know what I mean? And that's what's continuing to cause this whorephobia in the world. Right. Well, um, I interviewed an escort, and she said, hoarchery. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a better yeah. word to use. <laughs> it's like the prostitutes look crazy at the escorts. The escorts look down on the strippers. It's, exactly. Like, what? Exactly. And yeah, and that's what people don't even realize. Even within our own community, there's so much slut-shaming. Like, I was watching... Um, uh, the 2020 special in the movie Hustlers, and they were talking about mm, how the girls, about that. yeah, the girls didn't want to actually have sex with the men, so they would go online and find, you know, women on back at the time. Backpage was still up, of course. Backpage and Craigslist that would have sex with these men, but it's like I don't like how people want to look down on the next type of sex work. You know what I mean? Right. Like that is not going to help us further ourselves in any type of way to continue to slut shame others just because you won't do something. That's how another girl survives, and that's how she makes sure that she eats and that her bills are paid. So. Right. How do you feel about the movie Hustlers or like a Players Club or any movie that depicts the the stripper industry? See, it's like it's very tricky, especially right now. Of course, a lot. Right. I feel like there's a lot of mixed emotions among the sex work community about the movie about the movie Hustlers in specific, just because of certain things. Um, because of one lack of representation. I feel like I haven't yet talked about it yet. But yeah, I've been waiting to see if I really want to go see the movie. I think I am going to go see it. I'm going to go see it too because I want to see what everybody is talking about. Yeah, but I I was doing some research about Mm -hmm. the producers of the movie and one thing that personally I didn't like was that out of the 11 producers, six of them were white women. Three were Mm. white men. And then J-Lo was a producer and then um, there was someone named Benny Medina and he was actually accused of attempted sexual assault. Mm. and um i forget the last person but um yeah i was very just disappointed with the lack of diversity behind the scenes because i feel like oftentimes in hollywood they want to produce like of course they have like lizzo and um kiki palmer and constant constant woo so they want to push diversity on the screen but it's like where's the diversity behind, behind the, screen the screen as well you know that's the ones that's making the voices <laughs> exactly oh, those are the people that are the writing platform. the scripts you know what i mean right and people are very conflicted about jack the stripper as well um consulting for the movie and I feel like that Jack she did attempt to just try to try to show us in the best light that she could and really try to tell Wait, them who what was that Jack the stripper she is a um she is she's a Come dancer educate educate us yeah, she's a dancer. She's a well, she is a white woman. She's a dancer. Um, she is a comedian. She makes art. You should really check her out on Instagram. Um, and you know, she was a consultant for the movie Hustlers. And I think people are, I have seen people bashing her 
on mm. Twitter and saying like she's um just trying to be like the white face of the, the stripper community. And I don't necessarily think that's what she's trying to do because let's be real at the end of the day, if any of us could console on a movie, we would. Like, you know? <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, I feel like she tried to just highlight us in the best light that she could. But at the same time, like, you know, one stripper story can't represent every stripper story. Exactly. And I don't mean that as far as race, but I just mean it as far as... In general. Things. Like, you know, just one white woman in that's a stripper will go through a different thing that another white woman as an escort will. Like, that's just, you know, the realities of it. So, yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of just conflicting things going on. So, I think I really want to go see it and just try to think for myself and just try to see what I personally feel about the movie. So go see it this week because I'm going to see it tomorrow. Yes, I will. So I can text you and be like, what do you think? Yes, we definitely will. Um, so let's talk about club owners. What are some things that you noticed that were unethical against strippers that's being done by club owners? Oh, where can I even begin with this? And are, and are there any club owners that's women? I know of two club owners as women. There's a club in um, Honolulu called Ballerinas. It's owned by a woman. Mm -hmm. And then there's a new club opening up in D.C. that's owned by a black woman. The one in... um, in Hawaii, I think she, I forget what her race is, but she is a woman of color. But yeah, those are the only two clubs that I actually know that are owned by women. I will say the first club that I ever worked at, the Gentleman's Club, our manager was a woman. So that's what I feel like really made me start to feel comfortable as a dancer because she really looked out for us. I will say that women in the strip club, especially, well, it, it depends, but a lot of times with management, house moms and things like that, they will try to look out for you because they have danced before. They have been bartenders. They've done something inside the strip club as a worker. So I feel like that creates an environment for them to want to look out for us a little bit more. Right. So what are some things that you know about the club owners that you felt were a little unethical? Uh, club owners, they will... They will try to take your money. They will, I will say that they will hire, they will have these extremely outrageous high house fees that are just like high for no reason. Like, you That's know, especially crazy. during like, um, during tournaments or anything big that's going on in the city a big event and oftentimes that's why I don't like to travel to work for big events like the Super Bowl and stuff like that because by the time that you pay for your flight in your hotel and then you get to the club and want to try to work they try to like charge you these like outrageous house fees like how much uh girl like depending on what it is like it could be upwards of 500 or more dollars I know there was a club that's a in lot yeah, there was for a one club. day? Yes, for one night. There was a club in New York, I remember, that Migos was working at one night. Or Migos was supposed to appear there one night. And they had their house fee starting at $800. Oh. Literally. Yes. yes. Please. <laughs> exactly. Um, what else? They will they will try to fine you. A lot, oftentimes, these club owners will make up fines for just any little thing. Like, you don't have your clothes in or you don't have all your uniforms in a, um, in a Ziploc bag. That's a $30 fine. You don't have, like, you know, like, you don't, your your hygiene is bad, that's a $100 fine or something like that. They will try to find any little thing to try to find you for it to make them more money. And then so pretty also, much you're not making no money because you're giving all your money back to them. <clears throat> exactly. You know, so it's like, but the thing is, it's like, with these high house fees, are you making sure that your girls are earning that money? Like, you know what I mean? You can't just or Are you making hungry. sure they're safe? 
Exactly. You can't just be sitting here trying to get their money and you're not even providing a good work environment for them. You're not even making sure money comes into this club. So, you know, it's bullshit. Honestly, it's bullshit. And a lot of girls are just sick and tired of it. Like, you know, like sick and tired of it because it's just ridiculous. And the thing is, is a lot of these club owners, they're men. So it's like they don't give a fuck because they're not, you know, they're not getting their boobs touched on. Like, you know, they're not getting their pussies rubbed on. So they don't care. Right. Like, yeah. I know another thing you said is is mandatory tips to house moms. What is a house mom for those who doesn't know who, what a house mom do and her responsibilities? So a house mom basically is, well, it doesn't, not every club will have a house mom, but usually you will have a house mom in a club. A house mom is just someone that, you know, you come in, she just has all your supplies, like say if you wanted some perfume, you know, um, whatever you need in, in the dressing room and stuff like that. She just makes sure that the dressing room is just running, you know, how it is. She walks around the floor, make sure like no one's doing anything that they're not supposed to, things of that sort. Or she collects mm-hmm. your she's the one that's collecting your tip out most or your your tip out your um house fees stuff like that she's the one that's usually doing that so that's about the job of a house mom basically and i know you also put djs and doormen yeah so the dj of course that's kind of self-explanatory depending on the club that you work at like so you have to pay them pay certain music not to play certain music but say if um you want to get on stage at a certain time when somebody with a lot of money just walked in the door so you want to get on stage or try to get their attention you got to tip the dj and then he's gonna try to get you on stage or something like that say if you tip a a waitress or a doorman and somebody just walked in with a lot of money they'll probably point that person in the direction of you it's not even guaranteed that that person may even like you but it's like you're tipping the dj you're tipping all these people just to make sure that they're gonna put you in the space of some money basically Wow. Um, let's talk about mental health. How does being in this being in this lifestyle affect your mental health? Uh, I see it all the time with so many girls. We just, like, suffer from burnout. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I always say there's, like, this idea in the stripper community that you always have to be hustling. You always have to be working. But it's, like, you can't just hustle something off. If you're going through something, take some time off. Like, I'm taking a week off right now because I've just been, you know, going through a lot. Like, it's no problem with it. But it's, right. like, sometimes I feel like because, I'm trust me, like, you are, especially, it can be in any club, but I've felt, like, when I started to get into black clubs, it's like when I started to come into contact with more hardcore drugs, just seeing them and just yeah. like, yeah, like I, I've literally had someone in the club hand me crack and cocaine and tell me to sell it so he could wow. get more customers. I'm not even joking. Literal crack. Okay. I ain't gonna lie. When I was in Miami and some girl was talking to me and we were just talking and I was like, yo, she is rolling. Like I knew she yes. was hot on <laughs> yes. She couldn't even like, I was like, what girl? Like, she couldn't even complete her sentences. It is so common. Like, ecstasy is a really, a really big thing. Like, you know, um, acid is a really big thing. That's never been... Yes, it, like that's never been my, you know, but I think the easiest thing for people to try to like just mask their mental health with, of course, is alcohol. Like, you know what I mean? I even tell people all the time I've been dealing with alcohol abuse since I was about 17 years old, which is very young. But I went to college when I was 17. I just barely turned 17 when I went to college. And, you know, I went through a lot of depression when I was in college and mm-hmm. just drinking and turning up was the way that I dealt with my emotions because I never really knew how to deal with stuff. Right. And you and probably so then, never have nobody really talk to you about the exactly. That you're so then, when I was in the strip club, I mean, I'm underage, obviously, but in most of these clubs, alcohol isn't, especially depending on where you're working at. When I was up in New York, New York City, who do you think is about to check somebody's, you know, ID? 
they don't have time. You have all these people in the club. The bartender got to get to the next person. So it's really easy for you to be underage in the club and just go grab, grab a drink and get drunk all night long. Like, you know what I mean? So that's how I see a lot of girls just start to max their pain with a lot of these drugs and alcohol. Right. And what are that insecurities? Because I can only imagine since you are, I mean, I think you're very beautiful. Thank you. You're nice and petite. Yeah. So I can imagine you like being around these other women with these big ass titties and breasts and uh, ass and stuff and like you know I can imagine how that would make you feel yeah I, when you feel like you have to compete you know exactly and this happened to me like a couple months ago earlier this year like I was just in such a terrible space like mentally and it was coming from the club like just a lot of insecurities I felt like well if I and you like probably this, wasn't even insecure exactly from before right. and I always say like stripping helped me build my confidence a lot but I was just going through a phase. I was just like, I'm not making as much money because I don't have a fatter butt. So let me try to like, I was taking vitamins and stuff, seeing if I could gain weight. Mm. Like I was looking at trying to get butt implants. You know, butt shots are a big thing. A lot of these celebrities, they have butt shots. Okay, they don't want to mm-hmm. tell you, but they do have butt shots. They have work done, you know. Right. And so like it would just, and that was something that was contributing to just like mental illness and mental health for me was just like I would just felt like I well it's like now I'm feeling like I don't even want to go to the club because now it's like I have to compete with all these girls that have these better bodies than me and it's it literally just made me just destroy myself in the mirror so I just had to take a step back I deleted all of my social media for a couple months like you know I just like really just I took a break from the club I just really had to get my head together and just be like you are beautiful you are strong and no matter what I always tell girls if one person rejects you a hundred people are gonna love you okay just always remember that like it doesn't it doesn't matter because everyone likes something different like you know so you just really can't it's it's easy to let it get to your head but you really just have to stay strong and not let it get to you which is it's crazy but yeah right no it's true it really Um, is yeah one thing that i saw on an instagram post and you didn't speak much about it um you mentioned that something traumatic happened to you and it was a low point in your life Mm mm-hmm what was that if you don't mind do you mind speaking on it oh no i can um basically i was sexually assaulted by someone Mm -hmm. that was very close to me and it was um him and his friend you know and it just like made me that i feel like that is definitely a situation where it can make or break someone like you know what i meant and i always told i had a very close friend that i worked with um i escorted with her i danced with her and stuff like that and i told her i just never wanted that situation to happen to me because i knew i feel like i wouldn't be able to handle it and then it Mm -hmm. ended up happening to me like you know what i mean and that was just a situation it just made like at the time i was drinking five out of seven days a week like you know i was in the strip club heavy so i was drinking i was getting not even just drinking i was getting drunk okay every single like five out of seven days a week maybe six days out of the week sometime like you know what i mean right and so it's just like when i hit that point and i just i just hit a low point in life with that and it's just like for some reason it just made me think like I'm, I have to get myself together. Like, I'm not going to let someone sit here and steal my joy. Like, you, I'm not going to let a man sit here and steal my joy. I'm not going to let alcohol sit here and steal my joy. I'm not going to let drugs sit here and steal my joy. I'm not going to let insecurity steal it. Like, I just decided at that point, like, I'm low, but the only place that I can go is up if I just take myself. Oh, I, I always say that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I got myself help. I, I went to counseling, you know. And I always tell people, like, don't be afraid to go. 
yeah. because oh, it's I something that therapist. yeah exactly like yeah. even like on the sopranos like i'd be watching that and i'd be like <laughs> like that's a that's a blueprint for everybody everyone needs someone to talk to sometimes so yeah girl before i had my interview with you earlier today i had my meeting with my therapist cool black lady and <laughs> oh man she got me together like i was just sitting there just like damn like yeah and she think about things that you never really thought about in certain girls so. seriously <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I know that before I didn't include this in the interview because I wanted to mainly focus on the stripping aspect but I know that you said earlier that you were an escort and you did webcamming mm-hmm. when did you do this because I feel and the only reason I matched because I feel like you're just so young and you're yeah, I so know. People, talented <laughs> I know people are like so surprised when I say that basically like camming was something I just kind of got into just to get like a little extra you know extra money it was never anything that I was like you know like professional or at and I think when like I say escorting people don't understand what the word escorting means sometimes escorting doesn't necessarily mean like you have to um have sex with someone have sex with them, you right. know escorting means you were being compensated for giving time to someone so you, I can right. go into the strip club I can meet a man tonight and he says oh you want to go out to lunch tomorrow that's an escort date to me like you know what I mean so that can be like any time that if I choose to have sex with him for money then that's what's a part of that time if I choose that I just want to go out to dinner with this person then that's a part of that escort date like you know what I mean so escorting for me is like something that's been happening you know just throughout my you know super career some people they they do escorting just full-time whatever that may entail within their you know within their escorting business so yeah right Okay, so I'm like, girl, you you're not playing no games like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I can't knock the hustle. Um, so how are you dealing? How are you doing now with your mental health? I feel like I'm just so much better now. I just look at life in just certain different ways. Like I always say, like. I just have to find something every single day that's just going to make me want to get through the day. Like, you know what I mean? I have to find the positive in everything. I always go by this scenario, the yin-yang. Like, there's good in the bad and bad in the good. You just always got to find good in the bad. That's how I just personally just live my life. And it's what keeps me together. Everyone has their different things that they can do to keep themselves upbeat. But that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Another See. thing that you mentioned was about financial freedom. You know I mean, girls, that strip runs into so much money, but yeah. they don't really save. Mm-hmm. That was me. <laughs> so why do you emphasize the importance of it? Uh, because stripping is like, it's just one job that you can get caught in a cycle very easily. And I mm-hmm. see it with so many women in the strip club that are older, and they always tell me, save your money, have have a plan. Don't come in here without a plan. Like, I, I have a stripper mom. She moved to Miami. But, yeah, she always told me whenever she would see me, she would say, where's your plan at? Because don't get stuck in here like these other girls do. You make a lot of money one night, and then you go and load on all these handbags, and then you come back from your broke. Mm. So people get stuck in that cycle. I, you see so many dancers get stuck in that cycle. And that's even, um, I was reading up on Hustlers, in a, and one of the girls that the movie is based off of, she said she really got stuck in that cycle, which is why she kept going back and scamming these men. And it's really the reality for so many people in the sex work community. They just get stuck in this cycle of, okay, I got a lot of money. And I spent it all, so let me go get more money. Then I got right. the money again, spent it all. Let me go back and get it again. So you just Would you just, say you become addicted to it? You do. Like, I do feel like money is an addiction. Like, you know, I've seen it, like, 
people are can be addicted to different things. People can be addicted to drugs, alcohol, gambling. People can be addicted to love. Like, you know what I mean? So mm. people can be addicted to making money and making fast money. It's no different. I always say stripping money to me is just like making dope money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like dope boys are addicted to making money too. So, yeah. Right. Um, another thing that you mentioned was black men in this industry and yes. I couldn't agree with you more <laughs> yes um, you mentioned how black men are love to control how black women are being portrayed and love to hypersexualize black women mm-hmm. what did you mean by that Oh, God, where can I even begin to this? Because niggas love trying it. So. Yes, and I, I heard a lot of feelings when I call black men out on this because I, I happen to do it a lot. So I just remember growing up watching BET and, you know, all you, would see, yes, all you would see on TV, of course, the, the Nelly um, tip drill video. I remember that growing up. Um, you see just women being portrayed by men as um, as they're showing their asses you know what I mean they're showing stripper you know of course strip club culture in the early 2000s was something that was very big especially um, merging with rap music so these men are portraying women as oh they're strippers they got their asses out they're this that and the third but then it's like it's not showing oh well how does this woman benefit from this it's only showing how the man benefits from it you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so it's like now we're coming to an into an era of rap where we have people like the City Girls, Megan Thee Stallion, people like that. And these women are telling telling men, well, this is how I benefit from it. Not that we haven't had women that have done this before, such as like Trina or someone like that. They have done that. But I feel like now, because it's coming down to a younger generation, of course, social media, it just makes you so, like, you can access anything through the internet these days. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like now women are telling men, well, this is how I'm benefiting from it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't really need you. I just want you for your dick. Like, you know what I mean? So that's, and now men are offended by it. But for so long, y'all were telling us, well, I'm only, I only want you for some pussy. So what's the, what's What's the the double, yeah, what's the double standard there? Like, you know? Right. Right. And I know you saw, you put up a video with Snoop Dogg, and he was talking about how women don't need to be having the ass. Yes, but stripped, uh, Snoop Dogg was the main one that was telling us to drop it like it was hot. So, right. (laughs) So that was the pot calling the kettle black. Exactly. (laughs) Um, What are some life lessons you learned from stripping? Uh, um, of course to save your money I feel like to set boundaries with people like no matter what what area of, of your life that it is no matter if it's stripping your personal life whatever if you don't want someone to do something if someone makes you uncomfortable by doing something say it you know what I mean don't be afraid to say it don't let anyone in this world take advantage of you because people will try you okay you can be as nice as you want but people will always try you so definitely to set boundaries with everyone you know Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely learned to just be confident in yourself. Um, I've learned to, you know, just try to help. I feel like I've always want to help other women out now because I feel like men, you will look at men in a completely different light as a stripper or as a sex worker, just in general, because men will really just try to finesse you. They will try to take mm-hmm. advantage of you. And even though these tricks come in the strip club, they see you as they, some of them really still see you as being nothing but a stripper. They see you as being less than a regular woman. Like, you know what I mean? So An that's object. What, exactly. And so that's why I feel like a lot of strippers, we do try to come together and just bond together because we do have this special bond because so much of the world sees us as being less than, or, you know, being less than just the average woman. We always feel the need to just try to 
just be together and just uplift each other and things like that. So it's really taught me self-love for every woman in this world, even the women that look down on me and tell me that I don't deserve a man because I, I shake my ass for money. I don't care. You know, right. I'm, I'm never going to hate on the next woman's hustle. You know, it, whatever you want to say about me, that's cool. You know what I mean? I really don't got to fuck with you, but you know, I'm not going to deny your rights as a woman. So right. there's that. And yeah. a lot of people look, a lot of people judge people because of what they fear. Exactly. I feel like, uh, I don't want to say that like, Oh, they, they these women just want to be me or something like that because not every woman wants to be a stripper and stripping really isn't meant for everyone and stuff like that. But I do feel like it comes from like, like just envy or something like that. I have seen a lot of that. Like girls just hate because they think like, oh, like you know she makes a lot of money or something like that. Girl, there are nights that you will go in the strip club and walk out with thirty dollars. Okay, <laughs> right. it, it just be like that. So you know, yeah, it's crazy though. And last but not least. What's next after stripping? After stripping, um, I... Like how, and how long do you see yourself doing this? Well, I don't know. Like, I always say it depends. Like, you know, I said until I was 21, but that's going to be very close. <laughs> you right. know, I'll be 21 before I even know it. Um, I would say I don't really want to strip past the time that I'm 30. I feel like I will be able to save enough money by that time, mm-hmm. you know, to just be what I, you know, what I want to do. I actually, um, I, when I was in school, I was majoring in entrepreneurship. I've always wanted to be a business owner. I always uh-huh. knew. I, I have my master's in um, general management <laughs> and entrepreneurship. Yeah, I always knew I didn't want to work for nobody. Like, you know, I hated work. I didn't still today. I don't like girl, me too. Me you too, know, girl. So, and a lot the thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm really interested in makeup. I've been doing makeup since I was about like 13 or 14. So that's really what I want to go into. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that I have to like lose myself or lose like my advocacy that I want to do as a stripper just to like go into a different world. Like, you know, right. raising awareness for sex, the sex work community and stuff like that. That's something that I will always be passionate about. It's, so, it's something that I'm always going to do because if nobody else is going to say it, I'm going to say it. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going right. to shake the table if nothing else. So I, I never want to lose that part of me just because I want to go and do something else. So yeah. Right. I mean, it's a part of you. So I don't think you would ever lose it. But yeah. I think the main reason why I asked because you are so young yeah. and I know all of my guests are anonymous, but if anybody want to read her blog, please make sure to email me at hello at the professional homegirl.com. But your blog is really good. Like you Thank can you. really write. <laughs> so it's just like, stripping is a part of you is what you do but it's not who you are yeah exactly you know so but i think this was a great interview thank you (laughs) i will be checking up on you and then you have to go see hustlers this week yes i will (laughs) and if you have any comments questions or concerns or anything from my guests like i said please email me at hello at the professional homegirl.com and until next time guys later it's brand new season two I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, 
This is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.